Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in. If it is your first time tuning in, I am uh, the host, uh, Jim Ventura, and uh, I've been doing uh, we've been doing the show for a couple of years now. And uh, my my background is I'm a an author, I, a writer, a teacher, a, a navigational consultant. My expertise is in astrology and tarot, numerology, rune stones, animal cards, quite a few other things that I have uh, proficiency in. And I have been doing uh, intuitive counseling, uh, you know, navigational consulting for a number of years with people uh, locally here in Arizona as well as uh, through phone consultations uh, as well for people all over the country and a few other countries for that matter. Uh, anyway, Snake Oil Radio is uh, my uh, monthly show. I always like to – I do a monthly column called Snake Oil, and uh, if you are currently subscribing to that, um, then you obviously have read my – columns potentially uh, and if you're not then uh, you can email me the information is on my uh, site here at blog talk radio uh, if you'd like to uh, get added to the free monthly newsletter and read my columns before uh, before I talk about them on air so what I like to do in each show is I like to read my current column of course and then uh, uh, I will uh, talk a little bit about this uh, subject and then then I'll open up the phone lines I love to get uh, comments and uh, questions or um, or uh, opinions from my uh, listeners, as well as um, you know. I also usually in the last uh, uh, twenty minutes to half hour of the show, I will also offer an opportunity for callers to ask uh, for a free five minute mini reading. I get to ask a question, and we'll pull a rune stone or a card for them and, and see what we come up with that way in terms of some guidance. So we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, for now, again, as I always like to do, I like to start by reading my current monthly column. Um, and, uh, you know, this is funny because this is my holiday column. Uh, I actually uh, I actually wrote this back in 2003, and uh, every couple of years I like to... Uh, I like to... Uh, you know, reprint it. Um, it tends to be my time off around the holidays where I take a little breather. I actually have a couple of, of what I call Christmas columns, and this is probably my favorite. So it's a short one, and I'd like to read it for any of the uh, listeners today. So this one I call, this snake oil is called Tin Foil Covering the Baby Jesus. Uh, I grew up in a large Catholic family where Christmas rituals were an important part of our holiday experience. Amidst the craziness of Santa Claus, Christmas shopping, and stuffing our faces full of sugar through most of December, our family still celebrated the true meaning of Christmas. It was the time when Christ the Savior was born. Like almost every other child raised in a Christian home, we were taught the importance of remembering the truth about Christmas. Even from what we believe to be our enlightened perspective, we Still, we were still all about the indulgence that Christmas seemed to usher in. And as a child, I loved every minute of it. During the holidays, atop the television set was placed a small figure of the baby Jesus. The figurine was part of a nativity scene. 
In our family, we placed a piece of tinfoil over the small statue. My mother explained this practice to us. Until Christmas Day comes, Jesus had not yet been born. She would inevitably ask us each morning if we had pulled the tinfoil off of Jesus before we began opening our presents. We never remembered. The excitement and lure of greedily tearing open presents far outweighed any interest in Mom's custom. Still, we dutifully faked reverence in front of Mom, pulling off the tinfoil only to instantly place all of our attention back to the presents. Young children, understandably, aren't into philosophy, morality, and religious rituals. As a child, most of the things I was taught about Christian teachings weren't really interesting and were often a little scary. Pictures of Christ nailed to a cross with bleeding hands and feet were horrifying. The picture common in Christian homes of Christ praying with a huge beating heart in his chest terrified me. To please my mother, I pretended to be interested in the Bible. Our children's Bible was illustrated with pictures that mostly gave me nightmares. Stories and pictures of pestilence, lepers, children being sacrificed, people dying, and a man who was hung to die on a cross did not make for comfortable bedtime stories. Understanding parables, Christ's message of love, and other biblical stories can be excellent ways to connect to our spiritual sides. Children, though, simply are not ready for this type of thing. I can safely guarantee that any child of any religion that is happy about learning this stuff is faking it to please their parents or guardians. Young children are not able to grasp the significance of spiritual teachings. And that is exactly as it should be. Why not let children enjoy Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and all the other fun stuff until they're old enough to grasp the deeper meanings of religion and spirituality? Even as we approach our 40s around Christmas, my little sister and I still tease each other about whether we've pulled the tinfoil off of the baby Jesus. We playfully and sarcastically joke about this and some of the other bizarre rituals we were taught. Maybe we haven't really grown up yet. Maybe we never will. Okay, so there is my uh, my uh, my clearly one of my favorite uh, Christmas stories. I've actually had this in print in a, in a couple of different places in the past as well too it's uh i guess it's still a strong story that <laughs> that in essence holds up um so let me uh say hello to everyone who is popping in and out of the chat room uh amethyst 72 is always good to see you it's always great when you are here to catch the shows so appreciate you tuning in and to anyone else who may join us or who's listening um I, you know thanks for for tuning in uh, in, a, in a few minutes, I'm going to kind of uh, put up the call number in case anybody has a story of their own, a comment about the holidays or any of that good stuff, or again, a little while even to uh, do a little mini reading if we have the time for it, but I will do that in about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and uh, anyway, so... You know, the the humor, you know, clearly I, you know, I, I, I injected a lot of humor into this piece. Although, I mean, really, in the reality, the story is absolutely true, of course. Um, and I you know, I wonder how many of my other listeners and readers have some interesting uh, Christmas stories that are part of their uh, history as well, too. So uh, a little bit we can, we can uh, open up to that. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I grew up, and, you know, it's funny because I you know, I always loved Christmas as a kid. I We had a big family. I had a stable mother and father. Well, I guess, well, they were stable. I, I, I can be humorous about that, too. But we had a, a good, close, reasonably close-knit family, seven kids in my family. You know, we got a Christmas tree every year. Um, 
we had uh, some real uh, fun around the holidays. My mother even encouraged us to buy each other Christmas gifts. We had to buy each, each of the siblings had to buy each other a gift, even if it was just a small thing in case we didn't have a lot of money. Um, we were encouraged to do that, and um, you know that really actually was was a, a smart thing that my mom did in many ways because we um, we really we learned how to give. We you know I mean you had to put thought into it in that sense. Of course, I had my older brother who would who would uh, buy us a, a bag of Snickers or candy. Half the time it was candy that we didn't even like, but that was because he was you know, a bit of a, a prick uh, in his older teen years and, and was antagonistic to the family and everyone for that matter. But uh, fortunately he has grown up now in his 50s and he's a much better human being. But uh, again, it really, it, it was good. The holidays were always really, really positive for me. Um, you know, the thing about the piece and, and really in essence why I wrote it was really in, in truth, um, I think that this is a, you know, it's a very accurate piece. Even again, I'm couching it in humor for a reason. But um, children, you know, really the the understanding um, the the message of of Christ and and religious teachings, and even things like, you know, even even spirituality beyond Christian Christian teachings, even in terms of metaphysical. You know, when when kids are really little, we kind of have to approach this in a way that is going to be um, to teach them, but to also not overwhelm them with this kind of stuff at a young age. Um, they're really, really, in essence, not ready for it. You know, I think that most children, at least until they're 10, 11, 12, or 13, really are going to have a tough time grasping a lot of this kind of stuff. And, you know, and that's, again, as, as it should be. It's not really appropriate. You know, I always remember... Um, uh, watching a documentary um, uh, a couple of years back, I watched a documentary, and I, I, I can't remember the name of the documentary. I wish I could, but it was really about the um, kind of hardcore um, uh, right-wing Christian groups in, in the, somewhere in the middle of America. And you know, there was a young boy. I think he well, it was eight maybe that was really in training to become a, a preacher in that sense, and. You know, they were talking to him during an interview. To again, this is like eight or nine years old, and you know, I remember one of the things that he had said in his interview was that he realized that he needed to turn away from his sinful ways, and he needed to, you know, find the love of Jesus and turn away from his sins. And you know, that really struck me in a way that uh, really reinforced this idea that I'm talking about here, which is, you know, how sinful. And how much is there a need for for children to turn away from sin and all these bad things when they're eight or nine years old? I mean, I was you know I was a, a you know I was a, I was a good kid for the most part. You know, the worst things I did is maybe smack my sister once in a while, or you know what I mean, or curse, or you know. But really, even for for a child to be grasping that level of 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 being. Uh, needing to be to overcome sin in that sense I think is a really, really confusing message that is they're just too young to necessarily grasp in that sense. And again I know for me when I was a kid, um, you know, uh, we we had a children's Bible and you know, it, it really was uh cooler 
you know, in, in the sense of the traditional Bible because it was written in a way where a child could follow it. But, you know, really, again, like I had talked about in the piece, a lot of the things that were in there were really kind of scary to me. Um, you know, the clothing and the way people lived and, you know, some of the stories themselves um, were really hard for me to grasp. You know, we had a kind of a double whammy in that sense, too, because when I was a kid, um, I was raised Catholic, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of energy. My mom especially really had a fascination with saints. And I remembered um, that I had was given, I think I was probably nine or so, and I was given a kind of a comic book of sorts that had the that talked about the lives of different saints. And um, I'll tell you, you know, it fascinated me in the same way that a horror movie would have fascinated me because they talked about saints who had their eyes gouged out and they were raped and beaten and, and you know, and what they went through and God loved them in that sense. And, you know, Again, this is kind of a weird thing, and I think it's a thing that nobody wants to talk about. To me, it's like the elephant in the room. You know, that, you know, you read that as a kid, and then you go to bed, and, you know, you're a little terrified there. You know what I mean? I, I, I think I was as scared as that as I was by, like, the movie Halloween or The Fog or things of that nature as well, too. I mean, it scared the crap out of me in that sense. So. This is kind of what I was attempting to really, really bring up in the piece about really appropriateness of of these type of things uh, for children. You know, astrologically, if you look at an astrology chart and and read the houses of an astrology chart, there are 12 houses in astrology, the first house through the 12th. first house represents your basic personality, you know, your body, the second house, and, and in, these are kind of shortened versions in a nutshell represents money and finances and the things that we value. The third house is communication and learning and knowledge. The fourth house is the home and the family and your roots. The fifth house represents creativity and risk-taking and romance. The sixth uh, house is work and service and health, details of life, body maintenance, unequal relationships. Seventh house is marriage and partnerships. Um, The eighth house is sex. Uh, transformation, death, rebirth, um, power. The ninth house is philosophy, travel, higher education, religion. So stopping there, then there's a the 10th house, 11th house, 12th house. Progressively as children, when you come in, you know, you're, you're not really tuned into ninth house energy at four. You're not concerned about philosophy, the higher meaning of life, traveling to Europe, you know, all the things that are part of the ninth house energy. That takes some progression emotion psychologically before you're actually going to get there. And, uh, you know, so again, to to, to expecting those things uh, from a child's perspective, it would be no, you know, the idea of marriage and partnership in the seventh house, of course, is also, you know, children typically are not married and partnered when they're, when they're five. You know, we'd, we'd hope not uh, in that sense because they're not you know, they're not ready for that type of developmental thing. So, you know, this is a thing, uh, you know, we progress through these houses in that sense astrologically as we grow up and we mature. And if you think about this again from the analogy of childhood, you know, a child is consumed with their body, first house, body, the self, the way they come across, what happens when they smile, what kind of reaction do they get from other people, are they pretty, they want to stick their finger up their nose, you know, I mean, all of those things. 
So this is the point that I'm making here is, you know, children really, even by the time they're, um, you know, before they're even 8, 9, 10 years old, they're really dealing with largely first through fourth house matters. You know, uh, creativity and expression, the fifth house energy, romance and risk-taking, to some extent will begin to slightly take root at that point, but again, they are not really the priorities at that point. So, you know, again, you know, really, really going on in this point um, with why I wrote tinfoil over the baby Jesus is because, again, my mother, you know, she kind of had her ritual, and she would really be upset if we didn't remember to pull the tinfoil off the baby Jesus, you know what I mean? But, you know, to a kid, you're looking at the presents and the movies on television and uh, that we watched at Christmas time and eating and having cookies and all of those things, and 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 that's cool. And I mean, leave it at that place, at that point, and then slowly introduce um, uh, philosophy and religion and and perspectives like that into a child's life as they get older. Um, and, that, and that's really a healthier way to go with all of this. Anyway, so um, you know, it's funny because I, you know, if anyone uh, caught my my column um, that I recently. Uh, that I recently wrote with this. Of course, I always I always put in my my snake oil, and then I have an editorial column. I had talked about the fact that you know I'm in my uh, mid 40s now, and you know we're almost at Christmas, and I, I haven't decorated, or I haven't really done anything for Christmas in that sense. And you know it's funny because I, you know I guess I always loved Christmas, um, and again I have really mostly good positive Christmas stories to share. In that sense, it really has not been, never was an area of real negativity for me in that sense. Um, But, you know, I haven't decorated and I haven't done all the theatrics around Christmas. I think it's because I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s. It's just funny, you know, I love when there's a Christmas tree up and you could smell the, you know, the Christmas tree. Um, I love... um, I love decorating. I love making cookies for people. In fact, I still do that. I don't wait till Christmas to do it. Every once in a while, I make chocolate chip cookies and I bring them into work, and or I bring them to parties. And I, I love a lot of those things. Um, I recall building gingerbread houses as a child, and stringing popcorn, and um, I even have a, a, a mixtape that I made of all like the coolest Christmas songs that I had collected. The Johnny Mathis song and the Eagles uh, and the Karen Carpenter one, <laughs> all the stuff that I always kind of liked. And, you know, it's funny because it's a tape, though, by the way, which tells you how old it is. I probably made it 20 years ago. And uh, anyway, I collected up all these things, again, because I always kind of really did love Christmas. And I don't think it's that I don't love Christmas anymore. I think the reason I don't really put much energy toward it is, um, again, I you know, I don't have children. Um, I don't have to, you know, when if you see it through their eyes, it really is a lot more magical with children. Um, I think, you know, giving gifts to each other is a great thing. I think the message of Christ's birth is an awesome one. You know, I mean, I think sometimes uh, uh, people who listen to me or read <laughs> read my, my column or, you know, sometimes think I'm anti-religion, um, uh, and I, I'm not. I, actually, maybe in some ways I am. I, I'm not a fan of religion as a general rule, but I think that the story of Christ, the message behind it, all of those things are no less powerful um, as they were 2,000 years ago in terms of tapping into that influence. But I don't think you need a religion to do it, 
in that sense. You know what I mean? A lot of people look for that structure. I personally don't. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I'm respectful of it in that sense. But by the same token, you know, I do like to point out where sometimes these things can be damaging in that sense when they're they're not really thought out in in a you know in a in a an appropriate kind of a way. Um, I know for me, you know, there were a lot of real blessings for from having been raised Catholic, um, because uh, again, I was part of that structural family. There were things we were taught that I think were really valuable in that sense. Um, you know, Catholicism had a magic to it. You know, you pray to saints. There was a, a metaphysicalness within that structure that I think was of value. Um, you know, I was taught that we had guardian angels. You know, I, I love, that's the best stuff. You know what I mean? That to me was some of the really, really kind of amazing stuff connected with uh, my religious upbringing. The stuff that I don't like, of course, was the guilt and the... Um, the the inclination to be small and to be humble, you know what I mean. Humility is a healthy thing to have, but you know too of a, too much of it can be small and and be uh, even shameful in that sense. And that's where I think um, there can be some difficulties with those messages, and why I personally don't really follow that religion anymore, or really any religion for that matter. Um, so, uh, but again, I don't. You know, I, when I work with people, I have, you know, clients that are uh, religious. I have clients that are Catholic and, and Protestant and, and go to unity churches and all kinds of things. I have, you know, clients that have no spiritual background or religious background. And I've even had a few clients along the way that have been atheist in that sense. Uh, so, I mean, I know all kinds of people and I don't really judge what anybody necessarily does. But Christmas clearly is one of those things that I think is is really strongly um, hard to avoid in this culture in that sense. And and I and I do think there are absolutely positive elements to it that can be embraced. All right, I'm going to continue on with this uh, discussion. Um, I, I'm, I'm catching up a lot of people jumping in and out of the uh, chat room, so I'm not sure how many listeners we have. Also, I have no real way of r- reading how many listeners uh, we actually have through my computer here. So. Let me throw out the call-in number if anybody uh, has a comment or a story they want to share, or, uh, again, we can even open up to doing a little five-minute um, mini-reading if anybody has a question. Um, again, I, I just always tell everyone if we get calls, I, I really have to keep them to um, about five minutes. Uh, the show's only 45 minutes, so I want to make sure we, uh, if we have a number of people to talk to that we have that opportunity to. So the call-in number is 646 if you'd like to call with a comment or a story, or if you have a question, again, 646-200-3966. I'll wait to see if we get any callers. I want to continue talking about this a little bit uh, in the meantime. Um, and if you uh, if you get on the waiting docket and there's a few callers, like I said, just you know, kind of please be patient. I'll, I'll finish up uh, with each caller within five minutes and, and, and grab uh, the next person, all right? So, again, if you want to call in, please uh, feel free. If not... You can listen to me babble for the next 20 minutes. Uh, By the way, let me kind of interject here um, something I think I might have mentioned the last time I was broadcasting last month. Uh, I actually have committed to uh, doing snake oil uh, radio uh, weekly. So uh, every Thursday at this time, uh, we will be uh, on air. Um, Of course, one of the shows is going to be me reading my column, 
Um, uh, one of the shows will be an interview show. I have some amazing authors and really interesting people lined up, so we will do an interview show. Um, I will uh, stretch the um, interview shows to a full hour. Uh, my, my normal broadcast is about 45 minutes, so for the interview shows, I'm going to stretch it to an hour. Um, and then the other two, uh, you know, are going to be whatever subject I decide to uh, to talk about, or again, and open up the call lines maybe a little more um, as we get toward the end of each month to, for uh, for comments and for uh, for private questions and things, uh, or, or you know, for a little mini readings. So anyway, yes, I have made that commitment, and I'm going to stick to it for a while. I'd like to. Um, I found that doing the the this. Uh, Doing the show sporadically has made it tough for people to catch me, um, uh, you know, on a regular basis. So I really want to make that a bit easier. You know, I'd also like to point out, you know, to anybody listening that, you know, all of the shows are archived also. So if you're ever not able to catch um, a show live uh, absolutely in your own time, you can go back to the site and catch the um, archived uh, show. So, you know, those are always accessible, and, and that, that, of course, is great because you can do it at your own time and at your own leisure. Um, I know I've, I've listened to some broadcasts at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning when I'm able to actually kind of get around to doing it for some of the shows that I uh, will listen to. Um, also, uh, the, the show actually goes to archive on um, iTunes as well, too. If you go to the podcast there, you can also find Snake Oil. So... You know, um, uh, for any of my listeners, please, you know, tell other people about it so they can tune in. Um, and also, um, you know, even if you can't always catch the shows, uh, be aware that, you know, uh, you can get my monthly column. Um, all you have to do is email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at Mac.com. And uh, you're welcome to... Um, you know, get the free monthly column uh, that I send out. You know, it's always got good information in it. Um, sometimes I do different specials with sessions, and of course I give information about new books and things that I'm in the process of putting together. So in, actual, in actuality, I am. I, I finished my second book, um, uh, Snake Oil Volume 1. It is a collection of my uh, my first four years of columns. And then I added nine what I call Snake Charms, which are really um, really practical guidance on, on things like how to meditate and uh, acupuncture and uh, ear coning and uh, and uh, lucid dreaming and, and I, I came up with some really interesting stuff to teach people how to do. So that's also part of this book. Um, while the book's finished, I even have the artwork done. I mean, it's actually finished. I think that the, I'm going. What I'm going back and forth on now is I'm debating about whether I. I want to self-publish the book, or whether I am going to um, simply, uh, or whether I'm going to uh, simply, uh, no, not simply, but I, I want to say look for a uh, a uh, literary agent and, and get a publisher for this book. I, uh, my first book is already uh, in print. That one I did uh, myself, Dirty Little Secrets, and um, I'm, but I'm thinking about maybe for the second book that I. I look to get a uh, uh, get, get this published. Uh, I would certainly like to reach more of an audience. I, you know, a number of people have read uh, my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, but I really, of course, would like to reach more people with the work that I'm doing. So, anyway, I'll keep everybody up to date on that, and um, absolutely, uh, 
you know, so you'll know what's going on in that area too when the next book will be out. So again, I'm, I'm looking at realistically, hopefully by the spring, early summer, um, in one form or another, I'm going to put this out. So anyway, but it is finished, and I'm actually starting a third book now, and um, this is on a completely different subject, and I'll, I'll talk about that at another time. Anyway, okay, so no callers so far, uh, which is fine. I want to talk a little bit more about the Christmas message, but I will throw in the uh, call number again. Uh, the call-in number, if you've got a comment, a story, or a question, is 646 uh, 646-200-3966. If you'd like to call in, we've got another uh, 10 or 15 minutes on the show. Uh, okay, so anyway, so we'll wait to see if there's any callers. Let me kind of continue on here. And uh, with my Christmas story, um, I actually also started recently um, uh, using Twitter, um, and uh, if you can go to my, uh, you'll also find my Twitter page. Um, well, I, yeah, I'm trying to do a daily Twitter. In fact, one of the things that I, I talk about in my recent uh, tweets is uh, we're about to get a Mercury retrograde uh, in the next day or two. Mercury's about to go backwards and retrograde, so um, that is something I thought that would be really, really valuable to talk about. Um, I'm going to, uh, maybe I'll talk about that in a few minutes, dependent on uh, how much time we have. But um, if, you, if you do want more information on that, you'll, you'll see that on my tweets. I'm beginning to talk about that, that process beginning to happen. Um, going back to the Christmas message, I actually mentioned this in my newsletter too. Um, one of the things that's interesting about uh, Christmas time is, you know, if you're. Uh, you know, some people know this, some people don't know it. I always think it's an interesting kind of fact or bit of information. You know, if you talk to biblical scholars, um, as well as astrologers or anyone who's done any real research in this area, the general consensus is that in all probability um, the birth of, of, of the man who is believed to be Christ would probably have been in mid to late um, uh, March. So um, the December 24th thing was actually chosen um, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, clearly. But they chose that date to celebrate the birth of Christ um, for actually for other reasons. And, you know, you, you know when, you, when you're talking about something so far back, sometimes it can be hard to pinpoint any real accuracy on those things. And, and that really in and of itself is probably meaningless from the angle that it's really about celebrating, you know, the energy of, of what Christ represents and all of those good things. Um, but uh, that aside, you know, it's funny because they um, they don't, uh, you know, again, most biblical scholars as well as, uh, you know, astrologers have figured out it, it, it would be more likely that Christ would have been a Piscean energy and not Capricorn. Um, that's from an astrological angle. Christ is definitely... Um, Jesus would, would, without question, have been more of a Piscean energy or a type of a feel in that sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Pisces is about um, giving and selflessness and um, and uh, and uh, the pull, maybe the energy and the symbolism of the fish in that sense are all symbolic of, of Piscean energy. On the positive side, it's, it's seeing God in everything and, and uh, selflessness and giving and and, and healthy sacrifice. Uh, on the negative side, it can be martyrdom and uh, suffering and um, and difficulty. So 
so you know certainly something that every Pisces is, is familiar with at some levels. Um, you know they talk about you know some astrologers will say that Pisces' job is to collect a sorrow, and you know clearly we see that reflected back in the Christ story itself too. You know even when he's uh, you know getting ready to be crucified and he's you know ask God to you know forgive them they know not what they do you know what i mean I don't, i'm i'm going to i'm not going to quote that correctly cuz i'm not as knowledgeable on the on the specifics but again you you do understand the symbolism there too about um the sacrifice that was made so again really it would be more appropriate for this energy to have been around the spring and again sometimes sort of mid late march um which is likely when it would have occurred um, and again, more of a representation of what it really, really is. You know, the energy of, of December and the holidays, of course, is is more about, uh, and this is where there's a contradiction that comes up for all of us psychologically and emotionally, because the energy around this time, really the winter energy is a time of contemplation and retreat. Um, we're meant to pull back, to reevaluate, to recapitulate, to begin to um, integrate and process and prepare for a rebirth that will, you know, again come in the spring. So it's actually natural for people to go through more of a sense of retreat. You know, people often get colds and flus this time of year, not because it's cold out, but because they are um, needing to rest. So they get a cold, they get a flu, and it forces them to rest in that sense. So again, really, there's a. It's funny how. Some of us would need, you know, to get sick in order to really, really retreat and pull back and get away from the craziness of our life for a few days. But if you honor that um, in a more productive kind of practical way, you'll know that, you know, if you follow the rhythms of the seasons, and by the way, you're getting a preview here of what I'm going to be talking about in my January column, but if you follow the rhythms of the seasons in that sense, we begin to see that it is, again, there is a time and a need for a certain level of, of more retreat and pulling in. You know, I always joke because I, I call December, December is my fat month, where I, you know, eat more chocolate, I eat more crap. Um, <laughs> you know, my philosophy is I'm not going to worry so much about being lean and all of those things. Uh, you know, I come to call it my fat month, sometimes I call it my bear month. Um, I just I, I like the feeling of allowing myself to I put a few pounds on maybe um, and eat a little more and, and not worry so much about um, diet and exercise the way that I do most of the rest of the year because otherwise I'm, I'm pretty into that kind of thing. Um, and then once January comes around, I'm like, okay, no more cake, no more chocolate. I've had enough. You know, what I mean, now it's time to get you know drop a couple of pounds, get a little leaner, and become a little bit more active. That's easier to do here in Arizona, by the way, because typically you know our weather is warmer. But for most of you guys who are not living in in such a warm environment, you're also even more rhythmically pulled into that pull of what winter asks us to do and asks us to um, to uh, be part of, which is that that sense of more retreat. So here's where we get into kind of a weird contradiction here because, you know, the holidays can be really a sense of overwhelm for a lot of people, a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of, you know, getting out and shopping and buying gifts and decorating and um, and uh, really, really going to town in that way, which goes against the grain of a lot of what the energy of the month is, is telling us to do. 
Uh, oh, here's my comment in the chat room from <laughs> the 72. You, you like the bear month. Yeah, uh, I get a comment in the chat room. She's saying she likes the bear month also. I, I absolutely do also. It's it's really funny. I, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty thick guy to begin with. I'm I'm a, I'm a, a fairly muscular, thick kind of furry Italian guy to begin with. I've joked about that. So uh, you know, I I just kind of I'm a little less about the grooming and the trimming and the you know what I mean and about making sure I'm I'm kind of more on the lean bear side. Uh, in December, so I, I absolutely love it. In fact, I have a ritual every Christmas Eve where I make a big pan of lasagna. In fact, I usually make two, and I make a really kick-ass lasagna. Um, I've just perfected it over the years, and I eat that thing like for a week straight through to New Year's, like almost on a daily basis. I make my lasagna. I mean, I've I've had a few times where you know, 12 o'clock at night, I decide to make myself a piece of lasagna, eat it, and then go to bed. I'll tell you, believe me, that is not a normal part of my ritual <laughs> in life. Uh, that leads to uh, getting a little tubbier than I'd ever want to be. But you know what? That's what I think I love about December is, to me, it's, you know what, let's have fun with that. Let's not have that, that sense of extreme restriction in that sense. And I also really will find myself sleeping a lot more than I normally do in December as well. Um, it's funny here because in, I, mean, I live in Phoenix, and uh, it's about 77 degrees here at, at 2, 2.40 in the afternoon, uh, which is a little warmer than normal for December by a few degrees only. So we're like nice, really, really nice here, which is funny. And most of you probably across the country are, you know, are experiencing a far different type of weather pattern than, than we have here. So, But still, it is cooler. I mean, at nighttime here, this is something a lot of people don't know about living in the desert. Uh it goes down to, you know, 30s and 40s at night here. So it's really cold um, in the night times. It's just that it warms up often during the day. So, um, again, I you know, I love, the, I love the fun of the holidays for that reason. Again, I, my joke is I call it my slob time in that sense. The only thing I, I kind of have eliminated and I have changed is um, I have not uh, been uh, as adamant about decorating and, and I, in fact, I really, I'm really for the most part, I'm not even exchanging gifts anymore with friends or family. I mean, I always buy my mom something, um, and uh, but the gift that I give to my friends is they come over on Christmas Eve, and we eat lasagna, and we have decaffeinated coffee, and we have cookies, and we have cake, and we sometimes watch a movie, or you know what I mean. We we just celebrate, and that is the celebration as opposed to running around and buying gifts and picking things out for people. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I was always good as a gift giver. Um, I could really think about what would be appropriate for a person and what they might like, and I really enjoy it. But I also enjoy not really spending the money and the energy on that in this way um, at this time in my life, too. And, you know, all my nieces and nephews, um, except for one, are actually, um, the youngest is now 17, so I don't really have the kids to get things for or to do things uh, for as well. So, you know, I mean, all of these things have changed. So, anyway, the holidays are what they are. Um, I think we we all move through these different progressive stages of, 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 you know, how we apply ourselves to holidays and traditions. And I don't think we are static beings. I think that there's a there's a wisdom in in knowing how to, shift and to grow and to evolve and, and realize that, you know, that the pulls 
of, of where your energy takes you when you're 40 are often very different from where they were when you're 20 and often will be also very different when you're 60. Uh, uh, okay, so let's see. Let me. I'm reading my chat room here. Lived in Phoenix for about five years. Lived in 40th and McDowell. Um, yeah, uh, actually, that's not far from where I live. I live uh, pretty close to McDowell Road myself. Uh, next vacation, and you keep telling myself my next vacation is in Sedona. Yeah, you know, Sedona's a really, actually, you know, it's funny that you bring up the Sedona thing. Uh, in case anyone's not in the chat room with us and you're just listening live, um, you know, it, it's a good thing if you're at a uh, computer anyway to go to the chat room when you're listening to the show because you can often see the comments and there as well, too. And uh, Amethyst72 is mentioning that she wants to do a Sedona trip. You know, that was actually, Sedona was really why, I moved from New York to Phoenix 20 years ago. And Sedona was really the motivation to do that. I was reading a lot of books about Sedona and it being such a metaphysical area and an energy area, and it looked beautiful to me, and I really wanted to move to Sedona. But, you know, when I moved here, I was, of course, 24 uh, 25 years old, and uh, financially, living in Sedona wasn't the most practical reality. It's not really a uh, an inexpensive, inexpensive place to live. It made more sense to live in Phoenix and live in the city where there were more jobs and more opportunity, and then eventually to get a home in Sedona. Well, I've never gotten a home in Sedona. I'm not ruling that out as a possibility, but uh, I, uh, I have been to Sedona many times. In fact, I was there actually just about two months, two or three months ago. I went and uh, took a little trip up there. Sedona's about um, maybe about an hour and 45 minutes, almost two hours, a little under two-hour drive from Phoenix up north, and it really is amazing. Uh, it's all red rock. It's it's probably anywhere from 6 to 10 degrees cooler, too, so you know it's going to be a little more winter feeling in Sedona in the winter, and in the summer it isn't quite as harsh as it is here in Phoenix. But a really amazing place and definitely uh, a really powerful kind of energy center spot. Uh, without question, you could feel it. I always tell people, be aware when you go to a place like Sedona that whatever you're, you're thinking or feeling is going to be magnified. So if you're in a positive space, that's magnified. But remember, if you're in a negative space, that can be magnified too in that sense. So I've had some really cool experiences in uh, Sedona and uh, I probably will write about them in uh, future columns. So I think maybe I'll write about that in a future one. So see that, Amethyst72, you're, uh, you're uh, influencing my writing. How do you like that? Uh, see that? It uh, comes from all angles. Anyway, okay. So, uh, all right, looks like I'm, I'm running off the clock here. We've only got about two minutes, so let me kind of finish up with my uh, Christmas thought here. Uh, you know, again, absolutely enjoy the holidays. Um, really, really, uh, you know, have a have a have a wonderful time whatever way you like. But I always kind of tell people, you know, chill when it comes to little kids on the the heavy religious stuff until they get a little bit older. You know, they don't have to feel bad that they like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and all of those things. I mean, when you're seven, you know, that's yeah, you don't get that phase very long in your life. You might as well enjoy it in that sense. So, um, something to consider. Uh, anyway, okay, looks like I'm getting ready to uh, finish up here. So, uh, let me say, uh, you know, as always, wishing all my listeners a uh, happy holiday season. Uh, remember to rest and pull back, get some quiet time, meditate. I'm like a, 
I'm, I, I take baths a lot in the winter. I just love taking a hot bath. I hardly ever do it in the summer. But in the winter, for some reason, again, even at 70 degrees out here, I still have this thing about taking baths. Um, just love that. That's one of my ways of retreating and pulling in. And, and really, guys, definitely do that. If you retreat, if you rest, if you uh, you know keep yourself safe, you're not likely to get sick. You won't need a flu or a cold to knock you out in that sense. So, as always, again, good suggestion to consider. Um, I'll be back on air again uh, first week of January, Thursday at this time, and then every Thursday. So uh, we're going to have a weekly show here, and I encourage everyone to you know to check it out, tune in, uh, whether you just want to listen in, whether you want to join in with comments in the chat room. I always appreciate the comments. And uh, let me give my usual uh, special shout-out to uh, my uh, friend Amethyst72 here. Uh, thank you for your comments. I hope you're able to get a trip out to the Red Rock again as well, too, um, as soon as possible. Definitely a good place for some healing and uh, relaxation, and that's definitely a good thing. So, again, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is Jim Ventura. If you need info on uh, private sessions or anything, go to my website. It's on the uh, on the calendar, and we'll talk with you next time. Happy New Year. Cheers.